Hello, 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 and welcome back to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. After six episodes, I finally decided I need a fucking consistent intro. And what better intro than the one that I had for my first ever episode? You know, just introducing myself as the funny, beautiful, and talented, which it's the truth, right? So just some consistency in your life because I know you listeners, listeners, why why did I pronounce it like that? I know you listeners like some consistency as do I. So that's going to be our new, not new, that's just going to be our intro from now on. And if you have any issues with it, uh, keep them to yourselves. <laughs> no, but honestly, like I know a lot of podcasts have intro songs and outros. Well, the intro song is also used for the outro when they finish the podcast. Uh, but you know, I am not musically inclined. If you want to create a song for my intro and outro, uh, thank you in advance. That would be great. I mean, I kind of like our, our new intro. I think, I think it's going to be a hit, a one hit wonder. No, I I don't want to be a one hit wonder. Never mind. I think it's just going to be a hit. But let's go ahead and start with some updates. What's been up? Let me tell you. At this point, I'm recording episode 7. Yes, episode 7 of the Haunting of Hill House eulogy. However, if we are back to present time, so I'm recording this on August 26th. And by now, I've dropped three episodes. And oh my god, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for those that have shared, for those that have told other people, for those that have, uh, you know, just left left the uh, five stars on Apple Podcasts, for those that have followed the Instagram, for those that have followed the Twitter account. I am so grateful for the outpouring amount of support that I've received. I honestly was so nervous to drop the podcast. I, I don't know. Maybe it, it was just like first time jitters. Like I had never done this before. And this was a project that I, you know, it was my baby. So I really wanted it to be good. And, you know, just seeing y'all's posts and sharing in your story, saying that you really like it, that you like my voice, that the audio is good. This just encourages me to keep going. So once again, thank you so much for all of your support. And, you know, let's keep this fucking party going going (laughs) what do you think should we keep this fucking party going yes okay let's do it also just hearing people tell me that they started watching the haunting of hill house so that they could prepare for the podcast or that they wanted to watch the haunting of hill house prior to listening to the episodes just makes my heart so happy like y'all don't understand this show well Y'all already know the fucking impact this show has on my life because I just started to start my podcast with it. So y'all know. Y'all fucking know. But just sharing this show with other people makes me so happy. And and yes, like I went over on the first episode, I'm that weird ass bitch at the party always talking about her favorite show. But that's okay. Be that weird bitch. Embrace it. 
it'll make you happier. Um, and what was I going to say? So, yeah, just hearing people say that they watched it and that they liked it. Oh, my goodness. Mike Flanagan now does owe me a check without a doubt. He doesn't know how many fucking, like, viewers um, getting him. I'm a, you know what? I want to check, too. Cut me 8% of that royalty, Mike Flanagan. Cut it now. And before we go on to start going through eulogy, um, let's go to our recommendation corner. I started watching the Hulu show Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman. Uh, first of all, Nicole Kidman, mwah, God's gift to Earth. She, what what can't that lady do? Like, literally, she can do everything and be any type of character. And, uh, yeah, it's about a wellness retreat, and they only choose nine people for it. So it's, like, a very private, very luxurious. But it's, like, all different types of people. Regina Hall comes out from Scary Movie, and she plays, like, this very nervous woman. But I think she has anger issues. And then Melissa McCarthy plays, like, this author that is going through, like, a midlife crisis. She's going through. She's going through some type of crisis. And, you know, that the dude, the... The Buddhist monk that comes out on The Good Place, uh, his name is Manny Jacinto, and he also comes out and he's like one of like the, the staff at the wellness retreat. But yeah, I definitely think this show might fuck me up because it's like a wellness retreat mixed with like culty vibes. And yeah, I've, I'm only three episodes in, but... I see that it might potentially be one of the shows we cover in this podcast. And for podcast recommendations, I just started listening to the Haunted Housewives podcast, and I've listened to four episodes. They covered Lisey Borden, uh, The Witch of Sleepy Hollow, Edgar Allan Poe, The Homie, The Homie, Edgar Allan Poe. And they also covered uh, the Winchester Mansion, which I visited when I made a road trip to San Francisco. And I completely forgot, like, that's an erased memory. But, like, my mom told me, yeah, we went there and y'all were there and we went to visit the house. And it was all full of weird constructions. And I couldn't recall. Like, it's it literally erased from my mind. I wonder, I wonder if the ghosts there were like, you know what? We're going to fuck up this bitch and she's not going to remember this experience. That is definitely a possibility, but you know, who knows? But yeah, so they cover these stories and then one of them pulls tarot cards to try to speak, to try to get an idea of what happened to these people. And then the other one is a medium. So she's literally connecting and having like trying to get information from this people from the people that they cover in their podcast so it's really fucking cool it's a really different type of podcast i had never encountered one like this so if you're into tarot if you're into spirituality mediumship shit like that this is the podcast for you okay and i know i said that before I started, I was going to talk about the recommendations or whatever. But I have one last thing to share with y'all. And I think y'all are going to want to hear it. So you know how in last episode, I mentioned how like the different signs that your ha house is haunted. And one of them was like, oh, someone calls your name and there's no one there. Or so you hear someone call your name at night or whatever. Guess what the fuck happened to me the next day? 
after recording that section of the episode. It was like five in the morning, and then I just hear someone whisper, Mariel, I swear to fucking God, I woke up so fast, and I was, and in my mind, I was like, fuck you, leave me alone. But then I was like, shit, I shouldn't be mean to this ghost because what if it comes back to haunt me? So I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say fuck you. Like, this is on my head, right? I was still partially asleep and I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry I said fuck you, but please just leave me alone. I want to go back to sleep. And I was able to go back to sleep. But it was like 5, 10 in the morning. You know, I would have been more scared if it was like 3 in the morning because, you know, 3 in the morning is the hour of the haunting is when ghosts walk freely among us for those of you that didn't know so yeah this happened to me i don't know if it was just like my some subconscious saying like oh you literally just talked about this now this is what's gonna wake you up or if someone was really fucking with me like a ghost was like you know what let's wake up this bitch in the scariest way we can wake someone up but yeah um ghost if you're hearing this Please don't ever fucking do that again. Thank you very much. And without further ado, yes, I finally pronounced it right after six episodes. Let's get fucking started. Episode 7 of The Haunting of Hill House Eulogy. There is no cold open, and we go straight to the credits. The episode starts with younger Hugh staring off into the distance. He's in an interrogation room. A a police officer walks in with coffee for Hugh. The officer is being extremely nice and is like, oh, you said you take sugar and cream, right? Or like, is the clothes that we gave you okay? Then the police references that the clothes that Hugh was previously wearing were bloodstained. Hugh asks how much longer this is going to take, and the officer is like, only a little while longer, and thinks, thanks him for doing this voluntarily, and says that he, he wants to revisit Hugh's initial statement. Hugh lets the officer know that he needs to get back to his kids, and the officer responds that the kids are fine and that they're with their Aunt Janet, so Olivia's sister. The officer is like, you know you can leave whenever you want, right? but then mentions that it would not look good on his part. So, you know, just the police being manipulative as shit, as always. One thing I can say for sure, and this is due to all the true true crime podcasts I consume, never, never, ever, ever get interrogated by the police without a lawyer present. You either plead the fifth till you have gotten some counsel or wait for the representation. I've seen way too many cases where the police have wanted to pin something on someone and this was due to like manipulation tactics while they were interviewing the suspect by themselves. Uh, Back to the episode, the cop wants to talk about the initial statement that Hugh gave to the first responding officers and he insinuates that Hugh said some things about the house. Hugh asks if he's under arrest and he's not and the officer just lets him know that the scene is being investigated and that the officers on site already spoke with the Dudleys and that Olivia's body is in the medical examiner, is with the medical examiner. The cop lets Hugh know that the whole story is kind of a mess kids getting woken up by him in the middle of the night with no explanation and he lets and lets him know that the cops will have to interrogate the kids as well and the cop brings up the uh, the other body and he was like we didn't have anything to do with that what other body 
the cop is still using that same like the same intimidation tactics like uh, i know that body doesn't have anything to do with you but you can fix it fix this i heard you like to fix things and that you're you're good at fixing things and he just says i'm not so sure anymore the cop is like you leave or a lawyer up you leave or lawyer up and we suddenly can't fix things this mess begins to spread till it becomes bigger than both of us so you'll stay we'll talk yeah we'll talk about the house and talk about olivia and we'll talk about what happened last night and he just nods his head and the cop is like Great, then I will go get your cream and sugar. Hugh lets him know at this point that he doesn't need the cream and sugar, but the cop is like, oh, no, it's no trouble. The cop then exits, and Hugh just goes up to the double-sided mirror, the one that we always see in interrogation rooms that looks like a mirror from, like, inside the interrogation room, but from the outside, it's a window. And then he just stares at his reflection, looking really sad and tired. Cut to present day Hugh, and he's putting on a tie and talking to someone that isn't there again. He's like, why? What's wrong with it? And then, well, it's a rental, not a lot of choices. Just trying to see which tie he will use for the service. And he agrees on a particular tie, and then he just says, you're right, it's better. Cuts to Shirley on the phone talking to the florist, saying that the order was played days ago, and they promised her calla lilies and that they're going to bring them calla lilies. Shirley is very upset. But after last episode shenanigans, I don't blame her. Hugh is also there, and Shirley's daughter is asking him if he really is their grandfather. And he is, ha- and and she's like going on about if you are a grandpa, how come we've never met you before? That's so sad. Just like you know, finding out that you have a grandpa and then that you've never met him. But also, how how must that feel from like the other perspective, like from the gra- like Hugh's side, like oh. It's- hearing your your grandkids say that they don't know you uh back to the episode uh at the same time so while this scene's going on with the kids and hugh uh shirley's still arguing with the florist on the phone and kevin walks in Ooh, kevin <laughs> he did not sleep at home uh, but the children don't know that and Jaden, like the son is like where have you been you missed breakfast shirley notices that kevin is there and she tells the florist that kevin will go pick up the flowers Shirley then sends the kids upstairs and Kevin asks if they can talk and Shirley just lets him know that he has to pick up four bouquets of calla lilies and he says that he'll do it but if they can talk before he goes and Shirley very shortly says you're already on your way. Kevin tries to argue but Shirley just gives him that death stare and we've all seen that death stare before either from our parents or siblings you know that one where you're like fuck I'd rather just stay quiet and do what I'm being told. And Kevin just walks out the door to pick to go pick up the calla lilies. All this while he was just standing there awkwardly. Yikes, he was always in the most uncomfortable situations. And of course, he never knows the right thing to say. And he tells Shirley that he saw Kevin at the hotel this morning picking at the free breakfast. And he's like, I know you're upset with him because he took Steven's money, but he's only looking out for you and your business. And then Shirley cuts him off and it's like service starts at 10 and it's 830. Please leave and come back later. As if he and if he wants to lecture someone that he should go and lecture Theo. Ooh. Shirley exits the room and Hugh just mumbles, I wonder where she gets that from. And the camera pans over and we see Olivia just standing by ghost by Hugh's side. So, ghost Olivia? Olivia's like, I needed my space, but not like Cheryl. Uh, she says that 
ever since Sh- Sh- Olivia says that ever since Shirley was three years old, Shirley needed Shirley's space. Ghost Olivia reminds Hugh to bear with her, especially during today, and Hugh just mumbles, what a mess. Cuts to a flashback, and it's Hugh and Mr. Dudley walking through Hill House, looking at all the damage that was done by the storm. We find out that that even though the Dudleys live at the edge of the property, this big storm that the Cranes experienced the previous night missed them, and that they only had a little rain. She was like, oh, maybe it was like a microburst because it seems like the storm only hit Hill House. And then Stephen walks in and notices that one of the walls feels squishy. Cut to Hugh and Mr. J- Dudley making, uh, marking the walls around Hill House with a black X. There is vault in, the lo- in a lot of the walls, but Hugh does not think this was caused by the storm. And Mr. Dudley agrees. Hugh's trying not to sound disappointed, but you can tell that he that he is because he changes his tone of voice right away to sound more optimistic, and then he says that he can fix it. Mr. Dudley, Hugh, and baby Steven go down to the basement, and Steven is like, what's that smell? And they let him know that that is how mold smells like. And he was just talking to himself at this point, saying stuff like, the storm was just last night, there shouldn't be water down here. Please don't be down here. And when he checks one of the walls with this little electronic device, so I guess the device is used to like try to see if there's mold in your walls, it beeps indicating that the wall is basically fucked. Steven asks what that means, and Hugh is like, it means that we have water pooling all the way down here, three floors down. Mr. Dudley is like, that is really bad. <laughs> and, astu- and instead of Hugh saying motherfucker, he says father mucker and steven is like really dad such a dad thing to say when you want to curse but you don't want to curse in front of your siblings i mean that didn't happen to me because i didn't have white parents <laughs> and my parents just cursed in spanish but maybe if i had had white parents they would have said something like father mucker uh they make a hole on one of the walls and hugh takes a picture through the hole to get an idea of what there what there is inside since it's dark and they notice that what they have is black mold and Hugh tells Steven to go upstairs because black mold is dangerous and Steven just leaves reluctantly like he wants to stay and help his dad but he just agrees to go back upstairs when Mr. Dudley and Hugh are alone they hear like this little scratchy sound coming from the wall and then Mr. Dudley is like maybe rats Hugh sees the polaroid picture that he took and sees and he sees that it looks like a figure of a face so maybe like a little skeleton. And after after a while, Hugh says this is going to ruin us, meaning their invest their investment on the house. And he just hits the wall. Like he's just super angry and just hits the wall. Cuts to present day. Theo opens her door and Hugh is there. He tells her that he's a little early and that Shirley doesn't want people in the house. <laughs> he was so polite, like, oh, you know, your sister doesn't want people in the house till it's time of the service, but Shirley basically kicked him out. And Theo is like, yeah, but Shirley's in a mood and then lets her dad in. Theo and Hugh are drinking coffee in her kitchen and Hugh is reminiscing about when Luke, when Luke, when Luke lived in Shirley's guest house and how he had hoped that that would work out for him because Shirley would keep, keep him on track. Hugh says that Luke is looking better and Theo is like, I guess so. And then, and then Hugh always never knowing the right thing to say. You, on the other hand, and Theo's like, gee, thanks, Dad. <laughs> so just basically commenting on how she looks right now because she's hung, like hungover as shit. And then Theo says, 
And then Theo says, I fucked up last night, daddy. Like, fucked up. Even by Crane's standards. So that should tell you how much she fucked up. Because the Cranes just have a reputation of fucking up. Uh, Theo just goes on and says that if she can get through today alive, she's going to have to pack everything up. And that there's a possibility that Shirley will never talk to her again. And she also apologizes to Hugh. Saying that she should have made more of an effort with him. That she knows that he tried and that she should have met him halfway. She says... People don't get it till they fuck up themselves or something along those lines. Then Hugh finally speaks up and asks, this doesn't have to do anything with Steve's money, right? And Theo just shakes her head and she's like, I have to go shower, but you can stay, sit, enjoy your coffee. Theo leaves and goes to Livia's back and she's sitting in the chair that Theo had been sitting at. And she's like, I didn't expect that. And Hugh just replies, gotta start somewhere. And Olivia says, that's a good start. You are always good at that, assessing the damage. Cuts to a flashback of Hugh and Olivia, and Olivia showing, uh, and Hugh is showing Olivia the damages that were caused by the water. Olivia tells Hugh that the plans for the house are a disaster and that she doesn't know where this water source could be coming from. And Hugh is like, I can't flip this house if it's rotting with mold. And that if they don't fix it, they're going to they're gonna get stuck with Hill House. The next scene is Hugh and this man walking through the basement. I guess Hugh hired a professional to give him like a, a second op- opinion on the moldy walls. And he's like, you've got moisture coming from somewhere upstairs, but I can't find the source. And the man asks Hugh if he has checked everywhere. And he was like, we've checked everywhere but one room. And it's the room that they don't have a key for. The guy is like, that's probably your culprit. And Hugh asks the professional if rats could have caused the water damage. And he basically says no, because there are no droppings. And it would have to be a shit ton of rats to cause the damage that they have. Hugh lets him know that he has not seen the rats, but he has heard scratching from inside the walls. And then he stays quiet for a second and is like, of course, we can't hear them right now. But that always happens. Like, you complain about something not working or making a weird sound. And then when you try to show someone else, the thing is working perfectly. So embarrassing. The guy tells Hugh to put up a big industrial fan to dry everything out. And then to treat the mold with chemicals. And that once Hugh finds the leak, that that should solve a lot of his issues. Hugh's already over his budget, so he can't get someone to do that. So he just asked the guy for the quote on some fan rentals. And he asked Steven if he wants to help. And Steven is just so happy to be able to, like, help out his dad. Cut to Nellie's funeral. And Hugh is just standing there by himself. And he's staring at Steven and Lee having a conversation. And then Lee gets up abruptly and walks away from Steven. Olivia's apparition, or Olivia's ghost, appears next to Hugh. And I guess she can read his thoughts because she's like, don't say that. And she just goes on to say, don't say that if only he had better role models growing up because we were a solid couple when I was alive. Hugh agrees that they were solid. And then Olivia says, those last few days don't count. That wasn't us. Hugh just goes up to Lee and asks if everything's okay. And she asks him how he is because obviously his daughter just died. And Lee just gives Hugh a hug and walks away. Hugh goes over to sit next to Luke, and Luke is struggling. My boy is going through it, battling sobriety, and it's his twin's funeral. <laughs> the emotions that my that are probably going through his head right now. 
Uh, Hugh just tells him that he's proud of him, 90 days of sobriety, but then Olivia's ghost interrupts Hugh and tells him not to make today about Luke. She tells Hugh just to sit there with their son and that they don't even have to ha- they don't even have to talk just to be there for him. Of course, Hugh can just sit still and not talk, so he tries to make small talk like a lot of people loved her and there are so many people here, blah blah blah, you know, the typical funeral conversation bullshit. Camera pans over to the door and Theo walks in and she goes to stand next to Luke and Hugh. Luke just recommends beer and tomato juice to Theo and Theo's confused and he's like for the hangover. And oh my god, when Luke said beer and tomato juice, I'm like hell yeah, my Mexican king. Luke knows that you that you kill a hangover with beer and clamato, better known as Hachavela or aka a michelada in the US. And let me just tell you, my boy Luke is definitely invited to the carnasada because he knows that veneno mata veneno, which is translated to venom kills venom. So alcohol, like, will make, drinking alcohol will make your hangover go away. But back to the episode. Theo asks Luke if the beer and tomato juice thing works. Um, It does. And he he just says, not as well as a, a, as a shot of smack. <laughs> Uh, some some uh, junky humor for you. And then Theo asks, so you're saying that the best hangover remedy is heroin? And Luke responds, by a fucking mile. Trish, uh, Theo's lady friend, wink wink, walks in and Theo is not happy about this. She goes up to Trish and asks what she's doing there. And Trish lets her know that she saw the the obituary in, in like the newspaper and that she wanted to be there for Theo and support her. Trish is like, you didn't tell me that your sister died. And Theo responds, if I wanted you to know, then I would have told you that. And then she kind of like holds herself back and apologizes for being an asshole and says, fuck my day and walks away. Trish just walks into the service kind of shy and embarrassed. (laughs) Fuck, damn, I would be too. Like I wasn't even invited. And then I get welcome with that response. Mm, Poor Trish. Luke, um, it cuts back to Hugh and Luke, and Luke is telling his dad about how they found out that Theo was gay in Nellie's wedding and how Nellie was laughing so hard when she told him. Hugh then lets Luke know that him and Olivia kind of always knew that Theo was gay and that Olivia kind of guessed it when uh, Theo was around eight years old. And honestly, that just tells you that parents always kind of know. And if they pretend not to, then they're just fooling themselves, TBH. In walks Aunt Janet, uh, Olivia's older sister. And just as a reminder, Aunt Aunt Janet is who took care of the Crane children when Olivia passed and Stephen, I mean, and Hugh lost custody. And Luke goes up to his aunt and so does Stephen and just give her a hug. And, you know, uh, Aunt Janet catches Hugh's eye and, you know, it's just like really awkward. And you can tell that Aunt Janet doesn't have a great relationship with Hugh. But I mean, I can't blame her for her assumptions of what happened at Hill House. Aunt Janet just apologizes to all of them, and she's super sentimental, saying that she's sorry that they're there under those circumstances, and it's almost as if she was going to say again, but she she holds herself back. 
Cut to Steven helping out Hugh in the basement at Hill House. They're in like full hazmat suits. Like they're covering their whole bodies, wearing gloves and masks. And honestly, I got a little <laughs> a little triggered to COVID times. Oh, God. And Hugh is telling Steven that they're going to make a tent with the plastic around the walls. And then they start hearing the scratching sound again that they've been hearing in down in the basement and he was upset because the mold guy told him that there was no rats but the scratching sounds really sound like there's rats down there he's like i'm going to add some rat poison to the shopping list mm, foreshadowing and then olivia comes down and she finished uh, the master blueprint and she that she's been working on and she hands it over to hugh uh, so he can check it out Meanwhile, baby Steven is telling his mom how they're going to hang plastic first and then ventilate it. And Hugh is just like, he opens the plants and he's just staring at them and he looks really, really confused. And Olivia just like leaves and wishes them good luck and goes back upstairs. Cut to Hugh holding like the picture of Nellie at her funeral service. So you know how when you go to funerals or when you go to the mass, they hand you like a like a little pamphlet with their picture and like some prayers. It, 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 it looks something like that. And as Hugh is looking down at this picture of Nell, Shirley goes to the front of the room and she begins to recite a poem called Away by James Whitcomb Riley. And here it is. I cannot say and I will not say that she is dead. She's just away. With a cheery smile and a wave of the hand, she has wandered into an unknown land and left us dreaming how very fair it needs must be since she lingers there. And you, oh you, who the wildest yearn for the old time step and the glad return. Think of her faring on as dear in the love of there as the love of here. Think of her still as the same, I say. She's not dead, she's just away. And I mean, I did cut off like a big chunk of it because they do so in the show as well. And um, they, it's, they use a, it's, like from a male's perspective so they just changed he to she and you know him to her or whatever and Shirley just finishes the poem and asks if anyone wants to say a few words and Luke stands up and goes up to the front of the room he lets everyone know that he was born 90 seconds before now and that he would use that against her when they had a fight or he wanted something from her and he would say that he was the oldest Nellie always let him get away with it, even though she knew that it was bullshit. And Luke says that the last time he saw Nellie, she was driving him to rehab and that she said to him, you go in there and you bring my brother back. And then he answered, I was born 90 seconds before before her, but she was always my big sister. <laughs> Oof. Oh, my God. Luke really pulling at the heartstrings. Oh, and I just wanted to tell you <laughs> that while I was reading that passage, the light in my room turned off and then it turned back on again. And I don't know if it's like the electrical wiring because it always happens in my room. My, just, my light just turns off and on or like the fan turns on and off. So maybe it is, but what a great time for that shit to happen. <laughs> Am I right? All right, um, cut to a flashback and Hugh is down in the basement and in comes Mr. Dudley and Hugh asks him if he can look for another key for the red door room because he could really use it since he's almost sure that the water source is coming from that room. And Mr. Dudley approaches Hugh and notices he's looking at something and asks what Hugh is looking at 
And Hughes just seems defeated and says, I don't know exactly, while looking at the plants of Hill House that Olivia had brought down to him. Mr. Dudley asks if Olivia did those plants, and Hughes just says, yeah, and he just needs to ask her about them because he doesn't understand them. Mr. Dudley says that it might not be his place to tell Hugh this, but it might work in Olivia's favor if she takes some time away from Hill House. And he was like, yeah, you're right. It's probably not your place. Like super salty, kind of just like disregarding what he just said. Then Mr. Dudley tells Hugh that his mother was part of the kitchen staff and how he was born at Hill House. And that when he got older, they moved to the property at the edge of Hill House. He confides in Hugh that his mom never liked Hill House and that that she would come back from a long shift and she would come back looking scattered and how when she got older, she would wander off into the woods without any shoes and act scattered, giggling like a schoolgirl, whispering to someone as if she was talking to a suitor. Mr. Dudley tells Hugh that he met Clara, Clara, Mrs. Dudley, and honestly, maybe that's why I've been calling Olivia Hugh, because there's a a character named Clara, so that might be it, (laughs) but I just want to apologize for that again. (laughs) Okay, but uh, that he, uh, so Mr. Dudley tells Hugh that he met Clara after she got hired to work for Miss Hill, and how they even got married in the grounds. And he says how uh, Mrs. Dudley spent a lot of time in Hill House, long shifts, and even overnight shifts. And when Clara got pregnant, she was still working the same hours, and she never complained because she was a strong woman. He, ca- he calls her a towering woman. And when the day finally came for their baby to be born, it was a stillborn. He says that it was a tough time for both of them, and that Clara never even got to hold her baby. And a month later... Clara was back to work, but she was having horrible nightmares. And he, like, emphasizes, like, horrible nightmares. Mr. Dudley said that these nightmares had Miss Dudley, Mrs. Dudley down in the corner, shaking so bad that he thought he was gonna, she was going to seize up dead. And one time she was cleaning one of the rooms upstairs, and she heard a baby crying. And she checked all the rooms, and she was so scared that she ran to their home in the middle of the night. And when Mr. Dudley went back to the property uh, that night, he believed Clara because he heard the crying too. And he says that he knew that that was the cry of the first cry of his firstborn, the one she never got the chance to have. (sighs) From then on, they told the Hills that they were only going to work at Hill House while there was light and never at night that it started out as a superstition, but that it worked and Mrs. Dudley was better. And he answered with, yeah, it's not my place. But if your missus is acting scattered, then yeah, a little time would do the trick from the house, I mean, and a little prayer too. Hugh lets Mr. Dudley know that praying is not their thing, but that he understands his point. And oh my God, if you haven't seen The Haunting of Hill House and you're just listening to my podcast, please just go to this episode and listen to this. Oh, to just just see the scene. This is like one one of the scenes that is a must watch. And I love writers. I, I mean, <laughs> I love writers. <laughs> I'm a writer, so I love monologues. But this one is so powerful, and the delivery, chef kiss, mwah. Cut back to Hugh looking through some drawers uh, right after the last scene. And then he finds some other plants and he compares them to the ones that Olivia gave him. 
Cut to present day, and Shirley's putting her family inside the limousine that they're going to take to the cemetery. So this is right after Nellie's viewing. And since, since Kevin, uh, her husband, is in that limo, she does not go, like, she does not get in that one. She goes to the other limo, so they rent it too, and Stephen asks if she's going to ride with them. But Shirley pe peeks her head in and sees that Theo is in this one, and she's like, I'll meet you there. And Stephen is annoyed and is like, really, Shirley, even today? And Shirley just tells him that not everything is about him and shuts the door. And the last car there is Hughes. And Shirley has no other choice but to go with him. Again, awkward small talk between Hugh and one of his kids. He's talking about how beautiful the service was and how who knew that Luke had it in him, like referencing like the speech he gave. And... Oh my God, I think my mom is laughing. I'm sorry if you can hear my mom la laughing in the background. Uh, she's really into uh, Korean dramas. <laughs> um, and she she's just always laughing watching those shows. She's She doesn't like the shows that I like, <laughs> just FYI. Um, so just like uh, that, Hugh's just referencing the speech that Luke gave. And in the rearview mirror, Hugh sees ghost Olivia and she's telling him not to bring that up. There is an awkward silence, and Hugh brings up how he was talking to Theo this morning. And again, Ghost Olivia is like, don't. But my boy Hugh has a mind of his own, and he just basically tells Shirley that at the end of the day, all they have is each other, so she shouldn't be mad at Theo. Yikes. Shirley is like, did Theo tell you what she did? And he's like, no, she didn't, but, you know, we all fuck up. And Shirley's like, stay the fuck away from my business. Oh, my goodness. Uh, honestly, honestly, I would never talk to my parents that way, even if they were overstepping a boundary, because, <laughs> first of all, I would get p punched in the mouth. But I grew up in a Mexican household, so that's just how it is. Would you ever tell your parents to stay the fuck out of their business? I want to know. I really want to know. Um... Ghost Olivia just says, there she is. You stuck your hand. And he ends the sentence out loud right in the fan. And Shirley just stares at him, annoyed and confused. Cut to a flashback, and Hugh and baby Steven are in full gear again, and they're working on the basement. They already set up the tent with plastic and the fans, but one of the fans isn't working, and Hugh is saying how he needs to open it up. Hugh tells Steven to unplug the fan, and he does. And then Hugh gets distracted because one of the plastics moves a little, and, and behind he can see the mold kind of formed like a face in the wall. And without paying attention, he puts his hand in the fan, and the fan was on. And it gives him a huge fucking cut in his hand. Hugh just yells out, fuck, and baby Steven is concerned, and Hugh starts screaming at Steven that he told him to unplug the fan, and Steven is just screaming out that he did unplug it, but Hugh, you know, Hugh just kind of apologizes for screaming and says that it was an accident and tells Steven to go play upstairs, and Steven is just, just upset that his dad is, like, basically kicking him out of, like, help him, like, no longer needs his help. And he just lets his dad know that he wants to still help him. And he just tell him that he has got it and that Steven has already been helping him a lot. Cut to Hugh. Oh, wait, before the next scene. So that's basically what uh, Hugh was referencing. Or, Olivia, or Ghost Olivia brought up in the previous scene. So, like, you stuck your hand right in the fan, so you fucked up. <laughs> Cut to Hugh walking towards the red door uh, and trying to use a hammer to loosen up the lock. And the door... 
and the door, but he's not successful. And he just screams, fuck you, to the door. And then we see that his hand is bleeding again. Next scene is Hugh dropping dirt in Nellie's casket, so back to present day. And all the children do the same, except Luke, um, as Janet is crying by the casket in the ground. And Hugh just seems annoyed by this and goes to Olivia's like she did raise her. Like, just saying that she has a reason to be this upset and be crying. And, you know, everyone mourns differently, so let's just respect how someone reacts during a funeral or, you know, when they're given bad news. Luke uh, finally decides to say his goodbye to his sister, and everyone else has already walked away. And it's just him staring down at the casket in the ground, and he just murmurs, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Nellie. He looks up, and then we're seeing what he's seeing, and it's Nellie as the bent neck lady, just staring directly at him, hovering over her own grave. And Nellie just tells Luke, don't. Then someone from down in the grave grabs Luke's arm and starts pulling him down, and it's Ghost Olivia. But she doesn't look like the Ghost Olivia that's always next to you. Oh, no. She does not look normal. She looks death, and her teeth are black, and she has a gash in her face. And this ugly Ghost Olivia is holding on to Luke for dear life and just saying, stay, stay, please stay. Steven, like, kind of notices what's going on, but... He, he doesn't see the ghost, and he pulls him away, and Luke is panicking, and he tells Steven, did you see them? It was Mom and Nellie. And Steven just tells him that they're dead, and that he didn't see anything, and that he knows that sometimes people see things because he knows all about it, and he writes about it, and that he has also seen things this week, but that they're not real. Steven tells Luke that if he doesn't get his shit together, he's going to end up just like their mom and just like Nellie because it's a sickness. And he just again tells him to get his shit together because he doesn't want to bury him too. Hugh sees the whole interaction and he just walks up to both of them and asks if they're okay. And Hugh's like, he, and, and Luke is like, yeah, we're fine. Cut to a flashback of young Hugh asleep in bed and then he opens his eyes and says, Liv? And then we see that Olivia is sitting on top of him and she's holding a screwdriver to his throat and her eyes are closed. She's still asleep. Hugh tries not to panic and he says, live again. Very slowly, he reaches over to grab the screwdriver and he says, live one last time, but it was louder and Olivia wakes up. Olivia is disoriented at first and confused as to what is happening. And he was like, what the fuck? And Olivia just responds with, I don't know. I'm sorry. I was having a horrible dream. Olivia just keeps apologizing over and over again. He wants to know what is going on with Liv and she's still super confused. And he was like, you were holding a fucking screwdriver to my throat. And Liv just responds with, no, I wasn't. He tells her that they need to do something about Olivia because she is... And Olivia's like, I'm what? And then it cuts to Hugh showing Olivia the print that she drew up. But she doesn't know what she's looking at. And Hugh lets her know that that is the complete blueprint that she created. Olivia is shocked. Hugh points out that she used the same shape within the blueprint over and over again. And then he pulls out the blueprint of the forever house that and that is what she drew over and over again. So the outline of the forever house, she she drew it inside the blueprint of Hill House. Olivia denies this and he just keeps letting her know that she did do it. 
Hugh lets Olivia know that she should take a break or a little rest, and Olivia's distressed and says that she can't pay her sister Janet a visit for a few days. Olivia says that she underestimated her migraines and how she isn't sleeping through the night because of the constant dreams and how it snuck up on her all of a sudden, but she promises Hugh that she will sort it out. Cut to Nellie's funeral. The guests are leaving and saying their goodbyes. Uh, Ghost Olivia is telling Hugh how he made it through the day and that he did a good job and how he probably won't have to see any of these people for a long time if he doesn't want to. And then she says, but you do want to. Hugh approaches Luke and asks how he's holding up and Luke lets him know that he's okay. Hugh tells Luke that he overheard Stephen and Luke talking at the burial, at, like at the cemetery and how Hugh sees Olivia every day. And Luke is like, that's nuts, dad. And he explains that for him, it's a coping mechanism and how a lot of widowers recreate their loved ones in their lives and that that is perfectly normal. But then uh, Hugh says, he like switches up and he, is, he says something along the lines of, even though me seeing your mom works for me, seeing things isn't always like a good thing or a good sign. And he also tells Luke that he doesn't have to feel crazy. And then Luke cuts in and says, because big boys know the difference between what's real and imaginary. Isn't that right, dad? Oh, my goodness. You know, that's why you got to watch what you say to your children as kids, because that shit's going to haunt them the rest of their lives. You know, Hugh kind of dismissed the things that his children were telling him, like what, what they were experiencing at Hill House. He dismissed the bent neck lady as, you know, uh, a spill of Nellie's imagination. And he dismissed whatever, you know, what Luke was telling him. So now it's just like, Oh, so you're telling me that it's fine now, but, like, it's too late. <laughs> so, yeah, Luke really used his dad's own words against him. At this point, Hugh doesn't know what to say anymore and, and ends the conversation by telling Luke that he's so proud of him and that he's doing so well and to keep it up. Luke is like, I'm glad you're here, Dad, and walks out. Cut to a flashback, and Hugh's working on the basement of Hill House again, and he hears the scratching sound. He starts saying, you little shits, you little shits are dead. And we can see that he has uh, the rat poison and he starts removing the bricks from the walls. And then he sees something on the other side of the wall and notices that there's a mummified skeleton inside the wall. Uh, the next scene, the police get there and they remove the rest of the brick wall. And we see that it's a skeleton and a bunch of tools that were inside there. The police tell Hugh that he just solved one of the oldest cold cases, William Hill's disappearance. And the police tell Hugh that William Hill bricked himself in and that he probably had second thoughts because he tried to scratch his way out. Dude, that was the scratching sound that he kept hearing over and over again. Fuck! The, the police guy is about to leave and he turns around and he wants to know if Hill House is haunted. And he was like, well, you know, yeah, or at least my kids think so. So this was the odd, you know, like at the beginning of the, at the, uh, in the beginning of the episode when he was getting interrogated by the police, they referenced like the other body that was found in Hill House. So this is the other body. Um. Oh. 
Sorry, I lost my point. <laughs> so back to present day, he's taking some type of prescription pills and Steven is also there and he tells Steven that he has an early flight and that he probably uh, won't see him. And he's about to tell Steven something, but he kind of stops himself. And we see Ghost Olivia kind of reciting what he wishes he could say to his kid. And I quote, I'm sorry I didn't talk and I'm sorry I didn't listen and I'm sorry I wasn't there. It's the regret of my life. And I'm so, so sorry I couldn't fix it. But Hugh doesn't say anything. And Stephen is like, what? And Hugh just says, you fly safe. And Stephen is like, you too. <sighs> you know, how many times have we held our tongue wanting to say something, but we just like, no, I can't. Like, you want to say something so bad, but you just don't have the strength to say those words aloud or you're scared of the impact of those words but you know we only have one life so we should we we should say the things that we want to Shirley walks over to her purse and she's looking for her credit card but she can't seem to find it and Theo walks in and asks her and asks Shirley Shirley if she told her car and Shirley's like reception is over Theodora ouch and she she continues as far as uh, you're concerned we're closed theo tells all of them that her car is gone and hugh starts connecting the dots and goes to olivia is like you saw it and you didn't believe it you saw it and you know it looked wrong so just referencing when he had that conversation with luke uh the siblings are arguing and steven is like has anyone seen luke luke uh you know, I have such a hard time pronouncing that name, Luke, because, it, you know, my my accent, but <laughs> you know what I mean. So uh, just the siblings are arguing and then Steven is like, has anyone seen Luke? And they stay quiet. And Shirley's like, oh, no. And Ghost Olivia tells you, your silence doesn't protect them. Hugh finally speaks up and tells them that he saw, he saw Luke lingering by Shirley's purse about an hour ago and that he went outside to have a smoke and that he hasn't seen him since. Shirley is pissed and she yells out as she walks out. He can't even last one day. And Stephen replies, an hour. He probably, he probably already has a needle in his arm and walks out as well. Theo and Hugh are the only ones left inside, and Theo says, what's that? And as she references, some moldy stains in the carpet. They walk, walk over to see where it's coming from, and they walk into Shirley's office and notice that the replica of the forever house is destroyed all over the floor. Theo says, oh no, she's going to kill someone. Hugh's like, it's okay, I can't, and before he gets a chance to say that he can fix it, they hear a wheezing sound. They both look over to the dark corner in the room and a fucking scary creature starts slowly crawling towards them. It kind of looks like a decomposed body after like rigor mortis kicks in and Hugh grabs Theo and to get her like away from the thing I saw and Theo just screams and yells out, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. Theo starts sobbing as her dad hugs her, and the thing, ghost, creature, whatever you want to call it, is gone. And Shirley rushes in, rush, rushes in because she heard the screaming. And Shirley sees the forever house is destroyed and just asks them, who did this? Hugh tries to answer, but he just mumbles, and he can't get a complete sentence out. And at the end, he just says that he can fix it. 
Cut to a flashback of, uh, and Hugh is in the police station, still being interviewed by the same police guy. The, po- the police is mad because they're not getting anywhere, and he says that Hugh keeps getting mad when the police says that his wife killed herself, and he has mentioned it twice that the house killed her. The police is asking why Hugh isn't telling them what happened those three hours, so the three hours between him finding the body and him calling the police. And Hugh says that he was in shock and mourning for those three hours, but they don't believe him. The policeman is like, first you said your wife is out of town. And he was like, I thought she was. And the police keeps going and saying how they called Janet, so Olivia's sister, and she didn't know anything about Olivia coming down to visit her. And the police guy asks if Hugh wants to add anything to that, to that and Hugh declines. They keep uh, the police guy keeps saying that uh, in Shirley's testimony, she told the cops that she woke up uh, Hugh because she was surprised to see her mom in the kitchen that night. And Hugh agrees. Uh, Shirley's testimony was that after Hugh was woken up, he ran up to the red room. Uh, they ask the guy asks Hugh what he saw in the red room, and Hugh tells him that he didn't see anything because that door has been closed ever since they got there. And while he's explaining this to the police guy, we get a shot of Hugh running towards, running up the stairs towards the red room. And the door is open and he runs in. End of episode. Okay, so I'm actually in San Diego right now. And I'm literally locked in my closet because my apartment in San Diego is so fucking noisy. And I'm trying to record this last part, the last two segments, because I had everything recorded already. So let's try to do this. Hopefully the sound isn't too trash. But I'm just going to hop on right to the that shit's traumatizing segment. So, bro, just... At the end, that last scene, well, not the second to last scene were Theo and Hugh, and the ghost is crawling towards them. Um, can we talk about terrifying? It's definitely my top three nightmare scenarios. Um, I wouldn't know what the other two are right now, but uh, let me think about Oh, wait, I know what one of them is, and I've already talked about it in this uh, podcast. Uh, one of them is, like, waking up in the middle of the night and seeing someone, like, standing in the corner of my room. Fuck no, yo. <laughs> okay, but... So, but I think there is something oddly horrifying about a thing, creature, ghost, whatever you want to fucking call it, monster, what, like, not even crawling towards you, like, why can't it just fucking walk, like, why can't it just fucking walk or run, I, I don't get it, like, do, do you, do you agree, like, is there something, like, that terrifies you more if it's crawling towards you, let me know, and then it also reminds me of the scene of Luke in the when he gets stuck in the dumbwaiter back in Hill House and he sees that monster crawling towards him and just how scared he was. And imagine if Theo and Hugh as adults, well, I mean, yes, he was just as an old, older adult, seeing this got fucking scared. Just think about how baby Luke felt. <laughs> my heart oh and then no one believed (laughs) bro oh my god and uh so in in that specific scene when uh 
uh, Theo and Hugh see that thing crawling towards them. Hugh grabs Theo to like pull her away. And Theo starts yelling, make it stop, make it stop. And I think it's not only because she was scared, but also because Hugh grabbed her to pull her out of the way. And I'm not sure if he grabbed her like from the arm. So he was, she was able to feel him and everything going on but maybe that that has something to do with her yelling make it stop make it stop it also reminded me of that scene at the end of um touch uh, the third episode where a uh, baby like hugh grabs baby theo and then she's like don't touch me let me go don't touch me so it, i feel like it was super similar and there's also some symbol symbolism involved here because the Forever House replica is destroyed. Like, why would a ghost want to destroy it? What is the message that the ghost or the monster or the thing, the entity, is sending? Like, like is it just letting the family know that they're never going to get their Forever House and that it won't give them the satisfaction of even having a replica? I feel like it's kind of like a slap in the face. Like, let me destroy the thing that you associate with your mom and your childhood before it all went to shit. And if you remember, there's a stain in the ground that kind of looks like black mold right before Hugh and Theo see the replica and then see the crawling ghost thingy. And I think it's another subtle message. Like, you can't outrun Hill House regardless of where you go. Like, it'll always follow you. <laughs> and another thing that i think falls within this segment of that shit's traumatizing um ghost olivia pulling on luke's arm so he could go into the grave with her and nelly um first of all first of all let's talk about the trauma like, you first see the ghost of your deceased sister floating on top of her open grave. And then something pulls you down and it's your mom. But it doesn't look like how you remember your mom. It's like this fucked up ghost lady. And then Luke also finding out that Nellie is a bent neck lady because he sees her as the bent neck lady. Oh, oh my god. Talk about some traumatizing scenarios. But, you know, where there's trauma, there's also light, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so, if we go to our That Shit's Heartwarming segment, I think it's really important to find humor even when things have gone to shit. And especially, you see little moments of this, even though it's one of the toughest days of their lives. Like Luke saying that a shot of a smack is the best hangover cure. And I know it wasn't supposed to be funny, but I think it, at the same time, it's kind of alleviating. Alleviating? Is that? I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, yo. Alleviating? The pressure of like the situation. I hope I'm using that word correctly because then, uh, yeah, that would be embarrassing. And I think another heartwarming instance is just seeing Olivia as a ghost, as a pretty ghost, as a ghost that looks like actual Olivia and not the ugly one. Just seeing her as a 
goes guiding Hugh throughout the day just having those little moments like helping helping him pick his tie and then just kind of like trying to help him interact with his children because he's so awkward around them now there's nothing left of that fatherly like interactions that we saw at Hill House that were so beautiful because he's like I think he's scared to show his true self because he doesn't think that his children were, will understand him. And I wonder if this is an actual technique that other widowers use. Just like talking to someone that isn't there as a coping mechanism. Because I feel like it would be very effective. And it would be a way to like remember them and feel less lonely. And I mean, who else better than the person that they love to recreate conversations? Because you know... When you love someone, you kind of already know what their responses are going to be or how they talk or how they would react to a certain scenario. So I feel like it's easier for them to have conversations in their head because they already know what the outcome would be. I hope that makes sense. I really hope that makes sense. Oh, my God. How could I forget the most heartwarming part of this episode? And yes... I am pretty sure we're thinking about the same scene because this scene, oh my goodness. But it was literally when Luke gives his monologue during uh, the service for Nelly, and he says that he was born 90 seconds before her, but that Nelly was always his older sister. Oh, <laughs> literal tears, literal tears right now because, yeah. Nellie was always looking out for her twin brother, and regardless of all the bad shit that he did, she loved him unconditionally, and she always believed in him, and she always thought that he could get better and beat this addiction. She didn't live long enough to see it happen, but I'm pretty sure that even in death, she still believes that. And any final thoughts? from this episode i guess it would be to always tell the people that you love that you love them because you never know when it will be the last time you see them don't hold those feelings in you know uh, i used to think like when i was younger that oh you know like ew showing my feelings ew telling someone that i love them yucky you know but now i know that i gotta remind these people how I feel about them any chance that I get because if I don't and something were to happen to them I would feel so guilty for for not telling the people that I love that I love them so yeah just just some last minute thoughts regarding this episode and once again I think I mentioned it on uh you know the two storm episode but don't judge how people mourn People mourn in different ways, and we won't know what our reaction will be till we are in that moment. So please be gentle, please be kind, and don't be an asshole. Thank you very much. And we have reached the end of our episode. This was episode 7 of The Haunting of Hill House, Eulogy. 
what a beautiful fucking episode what a fucking wild ride as always thank you so much for the support thank you so much for listening remember to follow us on our social media on our instagram on our twitter uh you know subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts if you want and it would be greatly appreciated leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time Bye bye